Welcome to the podcast of Live Transformed with Dr. Jim Richards, Audrey, and myself, and we're so thankful you joined us. We sure are, and it's about, we're going to have some lights on moments today. I can just feel I can it. Do I, can, it. I, can, I can feel it. The lights are going to turn on in places okay. that it needs. Well, we got to get something worked out here, Audrey. So are we okay, going to let okay. Bob talk any today? I mean, go, <laughs> go ahead and tell me now so I'll know how to kind of plan. <laughs> Remember, I texted you yesterday. Oh, uh, we said we, we said we, <laughs> today might be a Bob day. That's right. You know, you know. I just, I'm just sitting here thinking. You know, you know how people just sometimes just take things way too serious. You know, there oh, people. Yes. You know, there's people there right now just thinking they are so mean to Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's true. Okay, Jim, can I just uh, add to the last comment? I think 99% of people take things way too oh, seriously. <laughs> well, they take things and people yeah. too serious. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Hey, we're on a path. Yes, we are. Uh, that, that, that was the that was my um, yeah, code word. My code word for today. We're on a path. Yes, we are. We're on a and pathway. I think you've heard that before. But again, taking this journey together, I think it's a lot of fun. It really is. And uh, ha- ha- just taking the levity, you know, in in life, and just being able to laugh with one another. Yes. Yes. And enjoy family. Yes. And uh, hey. It, we really do uh, appreciate you, yep. every single one of you. And uh, Jim, I know that the group UI, I I understand, you know, that for you, being able to see people, yep. you know, every single week face-to-face, yep. I, I mean, that that does make a difference. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. The, the, one of the great things in our UI group that we've, that we've cultivated, but for those, any people that are following don't know what UI is, that's Ultimate Impact. Right. It's, a, it's a coaching group that I have. But one of the things that, that I've cultivated, and it really took a good while to cultivate this, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and this, this, I, this may sound kind of negative, I don't necessarily mean for it to, but it's kind of interesting. You know, a couple of things over the years from pastoring, you know, that I've noticed is that, uh, number one, so many serious Christians don't know how to have fun. And, uh, uh, and you know, I, I used to notice as a pastor that most of the time when people would backslide, it was because they had to have a fun break. Yeah. I mean, for real. Oh, okay. That, that, sure, sure. That they'd gotten so serious in life, and, and they thought they had to be so serious about God, and everything became so so uptight. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's kind of interesting when you think about the fact that, first of all, out of all the times that the children of Israel would come before God, they only had one time a year that they were allowed to come in a solemn procession. Every other time, it had to be a rejoicing. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. But yet some, you know, I can remember when I first started going to church after I got saved. You know, I walked in and, and, and you know, you, you, they had a bulletin, which I'd never seen before. And, you know, you look at the bulletin and the first thing it says is let the whole earth be silent. You know, the Lord is in his temple, let the whole earth be silent. And so then, you know, can you imagine you're trying to get people to worship, to rejoice, to sing, to give praise. And but but the first thing you tell them is be quiet. Be quiet. Get serious. You know. <laughs> no, but in the old programs, they say, let's lift up Sister Bertha's leg up in prayer. <laughs> let's lift her leg up in prayer. But, you know, and, and so, you know, I, I just started noticing, and I also started noticing that people, <clears throat> uh, 
as believers, and I think this is true of the whole world now, but as believers, mm -hmm. believers <clears throat> almost don't know how to ask questions without attacking. They don't know how to disagree without getting in a fight. They don't, uh, they don't, you know what I mean? And so, so we miss all these wonderful elements of, in, of, of friendship and interaction and involvement and the kind of yeah. growth that comes uh, from being around and being open to people that are different than you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Very, very real. Very well, true. For Audrey and my, uh, myself, with our All About Relationships uh, podcast, uh, we're tr trying to find more ways, uh, you know, to be able to be face to face with people yeah, yeah. and to find ways to get together with them as well. And, mm -hmm. and again, to really begin to help yeah. one another enjoy life. And more people at one time. Bob and I mm -hmm. find that our, you know, doing sessions just fills up so much. And if we can get more people at one time, and that's why I'm so inspired by what you do at UI, you know. Yeah. It's really yeah, good. It really well, good. Well, you know, the thing I was going to say is with you, it's, it, like I say, it's taken quite a while, but people, one of the greatest things that's happening is that it. I don't, like, like during the week, I pretty much leave it to the people to create their own conversations. I'm not, you know, I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not creating an artificial environment. And uh, it's been so great, particularly over the last year, to watch people learn how to be more interactive. Now, that's so good yeah. it's, hap it's happening i love that community feeling and being uh, you know vulnerable with each other and and it, it yes that's so good in a way that's kind and growing without having to do that attacking that you were yeah. talking about I, I i'm interested in in having fun and not attacking each other that's what i'm kind of interested in and you know and and <laughs> you know for any of our you know, listeners that might be uh, too serious uh, you know, I don't think we've. I don't think we have those anymore. Having, I think they've all left. We've driven all them away. But I think so. But being being having fun doesn't mean you're frivolous. No, it doesn't mean you're not. Uh, you're not seeking God. It doesn't mean you're not diligent. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean any of those things. It just means that you do those things and you actually get to enjoy them. You know, you, you get to enjoy this journey. Uh, even when you're dealing with issues, you get to you get to enjoy the journey. Part of why you enjoy the journey is the interaction and the connections that you have with other people. Speaking of journeys, yes, journeys with other people, <laughs> segueing right in because right. last time we talked a lot about the path of life, you know, and talking and along with righteousness, kind of mixing those two words, the path of the righteous. Yep. And, you know, one of my favorite scriptures is the path of the righteous is like mm. the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter and brighter till it reaches the perfect day. And I'm so inspired by that scripture on from so many different angles. But, you know, it really begins in your heart to start wanting to live that mm -hmm. life that is on yep. that pathway of light, of righteousness. You know, uh, <clears throat> that, that scripture, that would be one of those scriptures sometimes we might look at and, and uh, have a great appreciation for what I would call the poetic value of it. Okay. You know, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. we, we might miss the fact that that actually describes a very theological process about mm. about how we grow and about how we come into to uh, uh, understanding more about God and actually having more real in 
interaction with him yes, that produces yes. growth, produces joy. It's the same thing we're talking about with, with, with other people. You, you get to have this great joy, this great fun with God, this great interaction mm-hmm. with God, but it's not mm-hmm. frivolous because, no. because it's always, it's always, God's always taking you on a journey. It's, yes. it's static. You know, backsliding is not when you decide to go back. Backsliding is when you stop and you don't keep moving forward. Exactly. Yes. Yes. You know, Jesus, it's when you get Jesus would say, kind of hardened. Jesus would say, "Follow me," and he'd start walking. Which meant, if you didn't start, yeah. if you didn't start walking, you were backsliding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it! I love that every the way we just even said that. It sounds so sweet and simple, doesn't it? It does. Wake up, and Jesus says, "Follow me," and we go, "Okay." Yep. And, and just be willing every day to say, okay, yep. let's do this. I, I feel like following you today. This this sounds good. You know, I have some stuff on my earthly type calendar uh, here, but on the journey, I'm living these parallel realities where I'm going to follow you today. Oh, yeah. And this is this is much deeper than what I happen to be mm-hmm. doing or what's mm-hmm. on my schedule. You know, as one of the interesting things, and of course, we're talking about righteousness, but we're kind of, it feels like today we're going to go into a little bit maybe about light and, mm-hmm. and that aspect of, because, because light and righteousness are not the same thing, but they mm. are intimately dependent on each other to coexist. Oh, I want to know more about this. I love what you just said. Mm-hmm. I love and that so, topic. So, you know, uh, uh so I, I guess we'll just we'll just kind of maybe start looking at this this whole concept maybe of light, but because you know light, um, light is the, and, and and there's a there's a very clear biblical description for what causes us to enter into light and what causes us to enter into darkness, and because light and darkness are. are uh, uh, they're continuums. In other words, you don't go from bright light into complete darkness. You go from you you go from light to less light to less light to less light mm. to darkness. And so so it's a, it's a progression. And really, that scripture uh, quote that scripture again. The path of the light, righteous is like the light of dawn oh. that shines brighter and brighter until it reaches. It's fullness no. or perfect day depends on which translation. Now, is that the same? Is uh, since you're reading from a different translation, is that the same one where it talks about the day star dawning in your heart? Is that the same one? I don't think so. I've never seen that translation. Okay, I, but maybe I mean you know stuff yeah. deeper in the Hebrew and Greek than I do, so I don't know. Well, <clears throat> but the but the point is, is is that this is describing a continuum where mm-hmm. where. We start out with a little bit of light, and we get more and more light, more and more light, yes, more and more light. Yes, yes, yes. It goes brighter and brighter and brighter. Ultimately, yes. that explodes into something else. Yeah, takes us Abs- into yes. into a new place. I, you know, I was uh, I was writing this morning, and I was I was looking at this this, this whole concept of a uh, 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 of you know the law of the seed. And the mm. law of the seed is the universal law that yes. undergirds and that explains how every spiritual truth works, how, yes. how the heart works, how the universe works, how God yes. works and interacts. And and what's interesting, you know, everything that Jesus taught, and I, boy, I saw somebody, I, 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 sometimes I just have to restrain myself and it, it takes a, a lot <laughs> of effort. 
You know, um, so, so I saw one of my one of my friends that thinks they understand grace, but really they're walking in darkness, and mm-hmm. uh, and and he was just talking about how you know how you couldn't follow Jesus' teaching because he was a teaching of the law. I'm like, I'm like, well. <laughs> no, and that, that's what a lot of the fake grace people do. That's how they get around Jesus' teaching about obedience. So I was going to say, he's a teacher of the law. So he said, we don't follow him. And so, and so, you know. That blows my mind. <laughs> oh, it blows my mind that people are, are, you know, you can't be stupid enough to believe that. Yeah. Uh, but you can believe it if you have a reason for wanting to believe it. Yeah, that, that's kind of a revealer right there. It is. Because it, it, there's something about the law of the seed that the more and more I'm following on this path, the more I love no. the law of the seed because all of a sudden it's an absolute, there's so much no. security. I can know that I know that if I plant seeds, they're going to reap a harvest no. and I'm planting seeds for the future, even by what I think about. And so those all those things are are actually securing my future with Jesus, oh, yeah. and I can and and Jesus is planting alongside with me. But it gives makes me feel so empowered yeah. that I get to plant seeds and I can expect them to grow. I mean, that is the law of the seed. I'm telling you, oh, yeah. I just love it. It's there. It's it's gonna happen. It's there. You it's, are. It's absolute and predictable. It's it's gonna. It's that's the word I was looking for. Predictable. It's predictable. You know, the, the, the revelation that the Bible gives us about God, not only is it 100% consistent and mm-hmm. you know, har- harmonious within itself, but mm-hmm. uh, uh, what, one of the things it reveals about God that it, it's different from Allah, it's different from any of the uh, uh, Eastern Indian gods, it's different from any God that has ever been presented in the history of the world, and that our God is the only God that has ever said, I am predictable. You, you can mm-hmm. know what to expect from me. Mm, and uh, I love it. Uh, you, you know, again, Allah, all the other gods, they are capricious. You, you never know what they're going to do. They do not operate. They don't even operate. They don't control their own life by the laws that they command other people to follow. And that's one thing about mm-hmm. God and, and his righteousness is because he is righteous uh, and he everything he says is righteous, then then if he doesn't do what he says, if he doesn't do what he tells us to do, uh, then he he is no longer righteous. And so, I mean, it just gets into all these kind of things. But but uh, I, so I was reading, you know, this thing about the parable, uh, the sower and the seed, which is an interesting thing. So first of all, Jesus, as we've said so many times, he was not a teacher of the law. He was a teacher of the kingdom of God. Now, he used the law and the commandments, but because he brought them into the kingdom realm based on the new, new covenant, he, for the first time in the history of the world, he revealed through his life, through his teachings, through the way that he treated people, the way he ministered to people, he revealed what God's intention was behind every law and commandment that he ever gave, and he revealed what God's motive was behind every law and every commandment. And so, um, so Jesus took everything that's in the law and the commandments and basically said, this would be what it would look like if you were doing it and love was your motive and you were doing it with the intentions of, of pleasing God. 
And so when people throw all this stuff away, when people start calling the law bad and Jesus teacher of the law, you know, I, I have this one big question. It's like, okay, if Jesus is your Lord, how can you tell people not to follow his teachings? It doesn't make, it literally makes zero Oh, sense. no, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's literally psychotic. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there is no teaching. So anyhow, in the parable of the sower, Jesus said, look, if you don't understand this parable, how will you understand any of the parables? Hmm. And since all the parables were parables about the kingdom of God, that means if you do not understand this parable, you will never understand the kingdom of God. You will never understand not just the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of heaven. You will not understand what any of that really is, what it really means in this life, and 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 how that that can begin to bring function to us. But in, in the law of the uh, of the seed. One of the things that, that's talked about in this parable, and man, I'm telling you this, I'm sure this would stump a lot of people, but, you know, he, he's talking about, first of all, he says, he says, you know, you need to take heed. You need to get serious. You need to start paying attention to what you're hearing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, hearing is different than listening. Hearing is to hear and, and seek and gain understanding. You know, it's just like, it's like gaining perception. Uh, Except the difference is with hearing, supposedly you're hearing with your with your heart instead of with your ears. Whereas with perception, you're seeing with your heart instead of your ears. So all the all of the kingdom parables, all of Jesus' teaching, was was dependent upon in, engaging the heart. So so you know he says so. First of all, you, you've got to start getting serious and taking serious what you're hearing. And then he says so. Then he you know these are principles of the law of the seed. Then he says the measure you meet is the measure that is going to come back to you. In other words, you cannot get any more benefit from what you hear than what you invest in it. And, and to a lot of people who think they know about grace, they would say, see, that's works. Matter of fact, I have heard, and if I was to call the guy's name, people would be shocked. Uh, but but a, a guy that is passes himself off as a grace teacher, he's not a grace teacher. A lot of grace teachers are actually just extreme Calvinists. And they just believe in the sovereignty of God. So their concept of grace is God's going to do what he wants to do. So you don't have to do anything. No personal responsibility. No, no at personal all. responsibility. No. Yeah. And so, uh, uh, anyhow, I'm not going to go into that too much, but, okay, uh, good. but the point, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it, it, it'd just be frustrating to go into yeah, it. Exactly. It's not. Yeah. But, uh, um, so, so it's not, it's not works. Everything mm -hmm. from the heart. We labor to enter into rest. That labor is not yes. dead works. That labor is not sin. That labor is the what I put into influencing my heart with what I hear. Yeah, that, that, and when you and applying it just at even that word labor unto rest in context of the sower of the seed, again we can predict and know because of the universal law of the seed. Yep because it is the law, then what we know is that if we are planting seeds towards rest, we will begin what we can guarantee right. that we're going to start feeling more and more rest. If we spend time focusing and giving attention to that, which is peaceful and loving and choices of, of, of kindness and even not fear, fearlessness and not worrying about things, we can guarantee our future is getting better and better right. all the time. Well, see, the first law. The, and that's more rest. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, you're, you're actually planting seeds. Maybe you're not feeling rest right now, but you can start today to choose to rest in God's amazing security and love. And those are planting seeds for the oh, future. Oh, absolutely. 
The first law of the seed is that yeah. and this is the absolute law of everything in creation. Yes. A seed can only bear after its own kind. Exactly. Exactly. And so and, and so when you start looking at what Jesus talked about about the measure that you meet, you know, he's talking about mm. the degree of thought, pondering, considering, reflection, mm. meditation, you know, all, all of those things. And so so those things are really the cultivation of the heart. The heart is the soul. The seed is the word. And by the way, in the Greek, uh, when it says that the, that the seed is the word, that's, that's the Greek word logos. So it's not talking about a static word. It's not talking about single legalistic definitions and, uh, of a word. It's talking about the logos. How does the logos brings it all together where it is in harmony with everything that God is, with God's character, with God's nature, with God's integrity, with God's righteousness, all, you know, all those kinds of factors. And so, and so uh, what we're seeking to do is not meditate and think on a single verse uh, and turn it into a a rote memorization. We're we're looking at saying, saying okay, what does this in, in light of the kingdom? What does this mean when all that God is? This has to be in harmony with everything that God is. Taking, I'm taking a look at Mark chapter four, yep. <clears throat> the reference there, and in verse nine, Jesus says this: Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Yep. And so whenever that phrase is used, mm-hmm. you know, immediately it 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 has layers yep. to its understanding. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, he's it's not just this one singular, you know, uh yep. rote definition, but there's life, yep. you know, within it. And those are, you know, the 70 faces, yep. you know, that we would speak about, you know, of, of God's law mm. in, in the Torah. And it's just like you just, you know, in understanding, better understanding, uh, you know, the sower and the seed is that, you know, this is a pathway. Yep. You know, this is, you know, more than just um, a, a, yep. a story to be told. It's a life to be lived. Exactly. And so you know, this this. this this whole concept starts by saying something really interesting. So, so he's going down through and he's, t- he's explaining these things that will determine if, if, if the seed that you've been exposed to is going to bear any fruit. Mm. And so, but one of the really interesting statements, he says, with the measure you meet shall be measured again. He said, and to him who has, more is given. And to him who has not, he loses even what he has. Now, see, that starts getting into the whole concept of light and darkness. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. with light... Now I see where you're going with this, Jim. Yeah, yes. you thought I was just rambling around, right? I just thought, <laughs> what is he talking about? <laughs> let, let, let me throw something else okay. in, you know, just into this, you know, uh, nuggets, all these little nuggets that we're finding. Uh, in Proverbs chapter four, it's, this is where, you know, the way of the righteous is yeah. like the, and I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, the way of the righteous is like the first beam of dawn, yep. which shines even brighter until the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like total darkness. They have no idea what they are stumbling over. Right. Okay. Now let's just jump down to verse 23 of Proverbs 4. Guard your heart above all else, 
for it determines the course of your life. Yeah. There's one of, you know. The one at birth we use a lot. A lot. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it, I didn't even know that uh, context, Bob. Like right. That, I hadn't ever just put those two together. They're all in the same. They're right there. Yeah, what did you say? It was Proverbs 4. Proverbs 12. Proverbs 4. Proverbs 4. Yeah. Interesting. So cool. So the con th this whole concept of him who has gets more and him who has not gets less. Mm -hmm. It falls into that thing, that very scripture, because because with light, if you start with light, and we're going to talk about <laughs> how to always start with light. If you start with light, then uh, you know there are things that grow in darkness: fungus, mm -hmm. bacteria, infections, all of these mushrooms, mushrooms, mushrooms in general. Uh, you know, moss. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's there's all these things that grow, and you look at the natural <laughs> world to get some understanding of what's going on in the spiritual world. So, yes. so now with light, light, light has so many interesting properties. Honestly, I I wish I had enough scientific training to just to be able to verbalize even the things that I do know about light, but but even mm -hmm. you know to get beyond that. But 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 you know, honestly, science doesn't even really understand what life is or how it works. They can they wow. can give scientific explanations, but it's just beyond comprehension of the uh, of the finite intellectual mind. But uh, uh, interesting with light is that light, if you have light, then fungus, bacteria, and infections do not grow. Not mm. only that, but if you have an infection, fungus, bacteria that's already started growing, if you expose it to the light, the light will, in fact, destroy it. Wow. And so you start understanding. That's just a great just visual of how oh. powerful light is. Oh, yeah. We just think, we just take it so, fr you know, frivolously what light does. But light is powerful. You know, back, and I, I you know, I got to be careful how I say this because I don't want us to get snatched off of the air but you know you know it's always kind of interesting to me when the government comes out and says okay we've got a we've got a virus spreading so here's what we want you to do we want you to go hide in your house we want you to not get out in any fresh air and and right. being in the sunshine is really bad did you know that's going back to uh, what what <laughs> hospitals and doctors taught back uh, really in the 1800s where, where they said fresh air was bad for you if you were sick and they didn't put windows in hospitals because the fresh air and the light coming in was going to be bad for you well you know what the bible says just the opposite the bible says you know, if, you got, if you got an infection you got uncleanness go out, you know wash it and then get out in the sun and, and yeah and it's good. yeah exactly yeah. and so so that that principle becomes very very important you know, when, you, when you're studying this concept. So you start realizing that, okay, there is, there, there's these multi-layered concepts of light. But, but here's the one thing that I know about light, is that light, well, not only will, not, will light heal me from the, from the self-deception, from the, the, the scriptural era that I get into, with the bad theology right. they get into. It'll help right. me get out of sin. It'll help, me, it'll help mm -hmm. me solve any problem in my life and bring me back to a place where, I, and the goal is it brings me back to the place where I can actually get into fellowship with Jesus. And fellowship is that interchange, not just hanging out together, but where there is an actual interchange mm. of his life for your yes. life. Yes, yes. Wow. 
So, you know, the Apostle John, in his gospel and in his writings, the things that he dealt with in his, in his writings, hmm. they are more applicable to this generation that we live in than any of the other gospels. So interesting. So interesting. You know, uh, you know, Mark uh, was, was written primarily to the Romans. Mark's all about power. And the Romans were all about yeah. power, you know, strength. Yeah. Da, 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 da. You know, Luke was more about the humanity of Jesus. It's kind of interesting because, you know, you know, Luke traces the genealogy of Jesus back to Adam. And, wow. and, and because because it's all about the humanity of Jesus. Then you've got uh, um, Matthew. You've got Matthew, which traces his genealogy back to Abraham, because the Jews were more interested in uh, you know the fact that they were the seed of Abraham and, and, yes. and how the Messiah comes through that. And, but uh, it's interesting. John is the only one that doesn't even try to trace his genealogy back. He starts with in the beginning. There was the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so he, John, because of the heresies that emerged from, from Gnosticism, which is, which is primarily, I mean, Gnosticism has all kinds of Jewish legalism in it, but it's primarily something that comes from the Eastern world, from, or, or I mean, excuse me, from the Western world, and, and it really gets into the kind of New Age uh, corrupt philosophies that are being mingled with the Word of God today. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so because of that, John re- refers to light more than any of the other gospel writers because light is a concept that if you do not get that this concept right about light, then you become susceptible to every kind of cult uh, mm. corruption. Because light, mm-hmm. everything has a start by being in the light. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so the question is, okay, then how do I understand what that means then to, to be in the light? Right. So, you know, you go first, the first place, I, you know, I always go first reference. Anytime I'm studying anything, I go to the first reference and start saying, okay, I might have read this hundreds of times, but let me, right. let me read it again. Let me ponder mm-hmm. on it. Let me think on it. And, uh, uh, Try to figure out what, you know, what's the first reference? Well, the first reference to light and darkness, we we see in the natural world. Now, this becomes important because remember, Paul said that the that all the things in creation that we can see have the ability to reveal to us the invisible attributes of God. And by the way, this is one of the reasons corrupt science, false science, is so important to the Luciferian agenda, because false science causes us to change our interpretation of natural phenomenon that you can just see it with your own eye, but, but, but they got, they've got to explain it and make it like, no, this is not what you see. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, uh, it's like you know, this whole, whole thing of everything about, everything about Darwinian uh, you know, theory, everything, everything about evolution, everything about the earth being billions of years old. There is not one grain of scientific evidence for any of that stuff. Not one. As a matter of fact, the scientific evidence says something just the opposite. And so false science says, yeah, yeah but let me explain it to you. Let me package it like this. 
You know, we landed on the moon, and you know, Huntsville, Alabama, one-third of NASA's entire budget comes here. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, all the years that I pastored in a local church here, I had a church full of scientists that, uh, <laughs> no, for real. And but they, yeah. they would call, they had no tact at all. They would call you on anything. you If you just didn't pronounce the word right, they would, they would straighten you <laughs> out on it. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, one of, the, one of the common, there's so many common knowledge things in Huntsville because of all the scientists. You know, there's more PhDs per capita in Huntsville, Alabama than any city in the entire United States. Love it. That's, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty bizarre. Mm-hmm. You're, Jim, you're surrounded. No, I am. I, and I tell you, I, I, just, I had to watch everything that I said constantly. Well, just thank God you are one. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I don't know about all that. But uh, <laughs> oh no, you are. Oh, we're, yeah. we're just going to declare it. We okay. are. We're, we're, we'll give it to you right there. So, so when they built the moon rover, I don't, and you may know this. You know, they had those huge tires. I mean, they really weren't tires; they were wheels. But they had these huge wheels on it because based on the approximations of the age of, of our universe, then they actually fully expected it. Even with these huge wheels that they had designed to keep you from seeing, they actually fully expected that uh, when the rover went out and was set on the surface of the moon, that it may just sink out of sight immediately because the moon does based on what we factually know about uh, about how that the the, the the stardust, if you will, floats through our universe, our galaxy, and and settles on the Earth and settles on the moon. So anyhow, based on you know these these lying predictions and false scientific claims about how the universe is, then there should have been hundreds of feet. Of moon dust. Matter of fact, they even wondered if, when the if 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 when the when when they landed on the moon, they even wondered if really the whole the whole uh, lunar capsule might just disappear and they'd never be able to recover. Wow! But wow. what was interesting is I, I can't even remember now. But the the moon dust. I don't even think it was. I don't even know if it was an inch thick, mm-hmm. which meant it is scientifically impossible for our galaxy or for the universe or our earth to be billions of years old. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I could, you know, I, so in Huntsville, you know, while they're, while they're touting all this crap on television and, and acting like this is the latest cutting edge science, you know, I'm, I'm out here, I'm out here eating dinner with, with scientists that are just laughing at how stupid these people are that write these articles, how stupid these newscasters are that, that repeat this stuff and how stupid the population is for believing these scientists who don't know how to spell science. And so all of that to say there, there is a reason and, and really the word of God is very specific that the whole corruption of the entire world revolves around the lie, not just a lie, the lie. And the lie that takes the entire world captive eventually corrupts everything we know is the lie about creation. Mm -hmm. So you go back and look at creation and you start saying, okay, first, first mention of light is in creation. Yes. And so, you know, you look at light and at first you just say, okay, 
light and darkness looks like a you know a 12 hour 12 hour cycle more or less that so 24 hours would be considered a day and mm-hmm. about 12 hours that's going to be light about 12 hours that's going to be darkness and and you know so you just kind of come up with some really simplistic concepts of, of light and darkness now one of the things that is postulated by incredible theologians and I'm talking about people that, you know, Hebrew scholars that study the Bible, that's their whole life. It is, it is very probable, and we do have some scientific ways of, of looking at this. It's very probable that prior to sin, because there was that, that in this 24-hour cycle, uh, there would be entropy. So now... And, and by the way, that, that brings you to something else that disproves everything everything we're taught about creation, about science. We are taught in every area of scientific research, we are, it is made very clear that order cannot emerge from chaos. Right, right. And so, but when it comes to creation of the human race and when it comes to creation of the planet Earth, then that's the one place they say, well, but that's the exception. Well, why is it the exception? And you can't prove it's the exception. There's no place, there's no place in science, no place in the history that you can see that order comes from chaos. Mm-hmm. Any, anything left to itself will always begin to drift into chaos. And so, mm-hmm. and so um, uh, the, wor- the world probably, as, as far as we can tell, because, see, we don't have any science that explains what happened before the fall of man. We don't have one piece of scientific evidence that you can clearly say this is what this is what happens. So they, they theorize it, they make it all up. But uh, but we do have biblical information about it. And so uh, so the you know the same scholars that back in the 12th, 13th, 14th uh, uh, century uh, BC uh, or excuse me, 12th, 13th, 14th century uh, AD, that figured out that there were at least 10 dimensions that exist in our universe, which NASA mm-hmm. didn't even figure out until a few years ago, spent billions of dollars doing the research, the Bible revealed it. But these same people understand from the scriptures that prior to the fall of man, entropy, even though it occurred, it's self-corrected. Hmm. So in a in a in a 24 our light and darkness. There would be, there would be a, a stage of that, or part of that would be recovery, and a, and a part of it would be entropy. So every twenty four hours, the Earth would would degenerate. Now people say, well, well, why would God create it to degenerate? And uh, well, because in order to have a physical world, in order to have a physical universe then you have to have these laws of energy. Now, yeah. the laws of energy tell us that energy never goes away. It just changes its state of existence. But mm-hmm. the problem is when energy changes from one state to another state, it always causes depletion. It always it actually always causes entropy to take place. And so it's just like in the human body, uh, uh, you know, we get in, we get inflammation, which is pretty much the source of almost all diseases. We get inflammation through the processes of 
energy in the body changing forms because of sicknesses and this sort of thing. So, so in order to have a physical world, and so people don't get this, when God, God didn't work magic. He worked miracles. Mm-hmm. And so in order to have a physical world, there has to be physical laws. Mm-hmm. And people don't get that. They just say, no, no, God just spoke this stuff and it just it just happened and there's no physical laws. No. God had to, God actually had to work through trillions of mathematical calculations in his own mind and heart <laughs> yeah. in order to create a physical world. Because all of these things had to be in place for a physical world to exist. Yes. So now, so intriguing. So now, this is where. Oh man, listen, this, this is going to get more intriguing than you can imagine. So, in in order for the world and for man to be able to live here eternally, there mm-hmm. and 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 to have a physical universe where energy right. was producing right. life and oxygen and all the mm-hmm. things that it takes to live. Da, 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 da. Well, so then, then there was going to be entropy. So there had to be self-correction. Otherwise, mm-hmm. the earth would wind down. Hmm. Well, now, when sin came in the world, you can look up all kinds of scriptures about the earth winding down, rolling up, you know, and, and, and being destroyed by fire. Well, that's kind of interesting because, see, heat is the primary, is a primary factor for, that happens because of exchange of energy. Heat is yes, a primary yes. factor in, in the entropy process. Yes. So um, before sin came in the world, every 24 hours, the, the earth totally self-corrected. It recovered from the entropy ah, of the previous period. That is fascinating. Mm-hmm. So every okay, so every 24 hours the entropy would start taking place and you know do, moving its course because yep. entropy is almost like that cycle of yep. course it goes like a campfire. A campfire right. will go from fire to burn to ashes and then it it, it brings gases into yep. the you know what I mean it's all right. that. So the every 24 hours then you will get it as a recovery period where it all starts to yep. come to life again and starts to go back. Right. And, you know, I, 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 um, I don't want to address too many details about this. I, I have a pretty good biblical base and pretty good scientific base for this, but, but sure. darkness and light were part of, were, were essential for a recovery from, from entropy. That makes a lot of sense. And so, <clears throat> so you have to realize that, see, people wonder, why is God going to destroy the earth? Well, actually, uh, it's not so much that God's going to destroy the earth. The human race destroyed the earth by bringing sin into it. In other words, once sin came in, then, then there was a higher physical law that took place. And so now in planet Earth, there's constant entropy, which would mean that at some point in time, the Earth cannot exist. And if we, and if we number one, if we didn't, if, if God didn't create a new heavens and a new Earth, then eventually all this would be destroyed, would have no place to, to exist. But secondly, we can't have eternal life if there's entropy, <clears throat> because our bodies would decay. 
We are in an environment right. that is exposed yes. to, to, to entropy, and we're, our body yeah. is constantly falling apart uh, yes. b- because of just the exchanges. Digesting food causes entropy, causes inflammation. I mean, what, all, all of these things happen in our body and the world around us. So, so, so it, it's not the fact that God just says, you know what, I'm, I'm so mad at you that one of these days I'm just going to destroy the world. And I'm so mad at you, I'm going to, I'm going to kill you and make, make sure that you die because of your sin. No, none of that has to do with God being mad. That has to do with the fact that we brought these elements in to a world mm-hmm. that operates around absolute laws. God warned us. God told us what would happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if we had trusted him, then we, we wouldn't be here. So. That's that's pretty long. That's a pretty long answer to one one simple question, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so you stop and think now. So uh, we, we've got this process, and, and when we start looking at at light and darkness, light and darkness has an interesting symbiotic relationship with good and evil, and so. When you think about the word good, and it's all, especially in the Hebrew, it's true in the, true in the New Testament, but especially in the Hebrew, the word good, I mean, it means desirable, it means pleasant, beneficial, you know, all the things that we know that the word good means. But the concept behind the word good is harmony. See, God, God said, let there be light. And we know that, we know that in the Hebrew, the word for said the emphasis was not on the fact that he spoke, but the emphasis was on the fact that he conceived something in his heart that he spoke. So he, sp- he conceived in his heart, he spoke it with the intention, and the intention was that these words that he spoke would manifest in perfect harmony with his intentions. So good is always about harmony. Now, this starts giving us early hints of what righteousness is about for us, because righteousness. You know, we know that righteousness, you know, uh, is is a manifestation of the character and the nature of God. Mm-hmm. But for us to be righteous is it, it can't just be a thing of of just I'm gonna try real hard to do the right things and all that kinds of uh, because faith righteousness is something that happens in your heart, and so. Uh, we exp- experience the good, if you will, of creation when we are harmonized with what God's intentions are for us. Am I getting this too vague? I'm tell me if I'm getting this. No, 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 no. This is all very good because the association between goodness and harmonious has really um, that whole concept, because we've been talking about this for a few years now and even on this podcast, that has changed our perception of goodness. Yeah. Because it's completely, it's deeper than good. It's like, and you can't get, I'm not t- trying to compare it deeper as no, better I know what leveled. You're I know what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. But harmony is, is, brings in all the associations with poetry, art, science, everything. Well, what we know is that he is a good God. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But when you bring the perspective of harmony, now this is the interplay or the interaction that I have with him. Yeah. You see, it's not just, you know, worshiping, you know, the most awesome, the only most awesome, loving, kind, gracious, good God. But this is my 
interaction of, of being harmonious with him and moving towards this place of the restoration you know, of moving back yep. to that most intimate place of the Garden of Eden. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're saying, you know, that, you know, we introduce sin into the world. We diluted, uh, you know, what God had created and, you know, and brought, you know, pain yeah. uh, into life. And he's like, okay, I, I'm going to make a way for us to live harmonious yet again with yep. one another. And so stop and think about it. This means that all these things that God gets accused of doing, killing babies, all this kind of stuff, you know, making people sick and da 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 You have to understand, if God ever did anything that was, was not harmonious with his names and his character, then he would no longer be righteous. Hmm. And, and he would become a liar. Because, because it's, you know, uh, for God to be a, being a liar is not just the fact that you say something that is untrue. Being a liar is when there is disharmony or misrepresentation in who you are and what you're presenting yourself to be. So, and so God is not a liar. And, 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 no. and I'm just telling you, God loves the people that say these stupid things, but all these people that blame God for all these tragedies in their life and say this is God, how God teaches you, you're calling God a liar. You're calling God unrighteous because that is not who he is. And so, right. so you know, so he's not the one bringing about this thing. So anyhow, mm-hmm. so, so we come back to the concept of, okay, we're looking at light and darkness. Now, yes. so light represents, light represents, well, first let's talk about what darkness represents. Okay. So when darkness comes, uh, again, darkness comes with the absence of light. Darkness is absolutely not actually not like a. Uh, it's not like a force where you got light and darkness competing. No, yeah, no. It's just the absence of light, just, really. Just the absence of light. Yeah. Now, so um, uh, when when the light begins to withdraw from our environment. Hmm. Then the first thing that happens, let, let's say that, uh, uh, okay, you, you know, my, my yard here, it's, it's about an acre and a half. Mm-hmm. And so if somebody is walking across my yard, and they're, let's say they're down here, uh, you know, 100 feet away, and it's, it's noon, I can look out there and I can kind of tell a little bit about them. You know, I might even be able to recognize who they are from 100 feet away. Mm-hmm. And because in the light you have you have clear, distinctive uh, uh, capabilities of perception. Mm-hmm. So, but let's say this time of the year, you know, by five by five thirty or six, this time of the year, it's it's pretty dark outside. So even by four thirty or five o'clock, if somebody is walking across my yard a hundred feet out there, I can tell that it's a person, but I can't really tell exactly who that person is i can't really tell exactly what they're wearing so it's not that i can't tell that they're a person i start losing my perception to distinguish really some of the finer aspects of 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 what i would need to see to know to see if they're safe if they're unsafe if they're Mm -hmm. you know whatever so darkness doesn't take you straight from seeing clearly to being blind Darkness takes you to a, a to through degrees of loss mm-hmm. of perception. 
You said that really well, because that's, that's a tough concept to put into words. And you did it really well, because I'm really hearing you. Like the, the word degrees, there's yep. degrees of darkness. And it's that just little by little losing my ability yep. to see those final fi, f, finer details and just losing my ability to have, it just limits my perception. Yep. Little by little so in degrees. What you start realizing, the, the earliest stage of darkness would be best explained by the word uncertainty. Mm. Because, because you haven't gone blind. Right. It's not that you can't see and distinguish a lot of factors. Right, but you kind of wonder. You do a yeah. little bit more uncertainty. Yes, you're a little more unsure. Yeah, the, some of the finer details cannot be perceived. Mm-hmm. Now, interesting, you know, when you look at Hebrews 11.1, 1, you know, and there's a, there's a vast, wonderful ways to responsibly translate and interpret Hebrews 11.1. 1. You know, faith is a substance, things hoped for, evidence, things not seen. Well, uh, that word substance gets into the concept of uh, one, one literal translation is title deed. So a, mm. a title deed, like if you, if you bought a piece of land in the ancient world, you would they would write you a title deed, and I think they went had a whole ceremonial process of putting it in a vase and sealing it up and protecting it. <clears throat> but but anyhow, the point is, if you have a deed for this piece of land that you bought that you bought, then there is absolute certainty about the who owns the land. Mm-hmm. You've got the deed. Uh, now, if you just shook hands with somebody and two people gave their word on something and there's no witnesses to it, then uh, then it's not certain now. It is, right. it is not absolute. So right. uh, faith, then it, you could say that faith is being, the NIV says being sure, or faith is being certain. Yeah. Certain, yes. About things that you can't see. Right. Right. So certainty <laughs> then br- brings us into light. In other words, if yes. we have certainty, we have certainty because of the degree of light that we have. And if we do not have certainty, then that means that we have uh, degrees of darkness. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> so uh, this is good, Jim. You're doing really good. I'm, I'm, I'm really catching this. Well, this is pretty. I mean, this kind of gets into some stuff that you can meditate on for about twenty years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, the Bible says, "Whatsoever is not of faith is sin." Now, unfortunately, most people have a very unscriptural concept of sin, so they don't get the the positive benefits and positive warnings about scriptures like that. And, you know, we talked about this, I think, last week. You know, sin is not just what you do wrong. It's not just the fact that you miss the mark. But, but sin, more than anything, is understood by what it causes you to miss out on. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, like, like uh, uh, health, you know, when, when, really, uh, it, it, the Hebrew concept of sin, if you, if you were sick in a certain sense, in the Hebrew language, that'd be a form of sin. 
Not mm-hmm. saying you have done something wrong, not saying something you ha- you've done something bad, but saying that you are missing out on something that God has yes. provided for you. Yes, yes. And when you figure so, that everything God's provided for us, He's provided for us through Jesus. Through Jesus. Yes. So this is really like kind of neglecting mm. or ignoring or not believing something that Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. Hmm. So I don't want to live life less than what Jesus paid the price for me to have. Right. You know, as a new believer, I can remember, and you know, I I ignorantly stumbled into these things. My commitment to Jesus was, if you paid for it through your life, I do not have the right to say no to it. I don't have the right to not believe it. I don't have the right to not experience it. So I'm, 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 I'm not going to settle for any experience in my life as less than what you paid mm-hmm. for me to have. Now, did I fail on that a lot of times? Thousands of times. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, never, I never accepted that failure as a place that I had, had to remain. Mm-hmm. But see, what gets us, and, and this is going to be about as far as we go, we're about out of time and we, can, we're, we need to pick this up next week. But so sure. what gets me into deep problems is not that I get up one day and I just decide that I'm going to do something stupid. I'm going to do something selfish. I'm going to do something self-centered. I get up one day and I make a decision that is not based on faith. Therefore, it is not conceived in certainty. In other words, if I make if I make a deci- any decision and I have mm. any concept, and remember, good and evil is mm. uh, is not our typical way of thinking about good and evil. You know, being good is being right. in harmony with God. It's 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 filled with life. It's filled with peace. And evil is more about chaos and conflict and destruction sure. and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's not just good and bad or right and wrong. So, so so we, so so if I make any decision, say that again. If I make any decision that is not based on something that is absolutely clear in the Word of God, yeah. then I am not in certainty then because I'm basing it okay. on my determination of good and evil. I'm not mm, basing okay. it. I'm not letting God's Word be the basis for good and evil. And again, we've got, we got to look at good and evil more about being in harmony, not being in harmony, being chaos and conflict or being in, in peace and, you know, enjoying all those kinds of things. Yeah. So, so. The moment I make a decision that is not clearly based on the Word of God, then I have made a decision in uncertainty, and I've made that decision based on my being my own God and getting to choose good and evil in my own life. Yeah. And so, so that starts me on a progression into darkness and, and and I'll stop on this comment. We'll, 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 we'll start picking this up next week. But see, at that moment, John says, and he's John is basing this on the teachings of the Gnostic, of the Gnostics, which is so prevalent. I'm telling you, Gnostic doctrine has consumed 21st century Christianity. Mm-hmm. The whole fake grace movement is all based on Gnosticism. They don't know it. They don't intend for it. They're not trying to be, you know, to be bad people, I don't think. Uh, but they're, they're, almost every major doctrine today is wound up to some degree in either Gnosticism uh, or, or legalism, you know, one mm-hmm. or the other. Mm-hmm. 
And so, and so John's saying, if y- there is no darkness in God, none, none whatsoever. In other words, with God, there is no ambiguity. With God, there is no uncertainty. With God, there is no, I'm not going to reveal it to you. You know, I was, I was just reading again today about, you know, where the scripture talks about, you know, you don't put a light uh, a light of candle and put it under a basket, and 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 you know there's a scripture that man is taken out of context all the time. He says he says because he 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 says you know any anything that's hidden is is actually there to be seen, and uh, mm-hmm. and, and if people take that and say well see everything you ever did wrong God's going to tell everybody about it you know, well <clears throat> but the truth is God all the mysteries of God are designed so that they can be understood by anyone who will embrace the light. And the light is the word of God. And the light is where it's like lighting a candle in a room. And suddenly what you couldn't see clearly, what you would have tripped over, where you would have fallen down, where you would have hurt yourself, suddenly all of those dangers go away because now you have a lamp for your feet, a light to your path. And so mm-hmm. there is no summon. There is no falling. There is no uncertainty. There is no uh, ambiguity. So, so you know, I, I want us to dive into this whole thing about where, where John got to this. He said, if you are in darkness, you are not in fellowship with Jesus. Hmm. And man, that sounds like, well, I, I tell you, the, the, the fake grace people, their head blows up over stuff like that because like, oh, no, that's works. No, 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 because Jesus died for our sins. Right? Well, yeah, he did die for our sins, but you can still be in darkness and you can be, you can be in fellowship with your imagination and think that is God. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. We got, I, I got to stop there. We, we're, we're, we're at our breaking point here. Yeah. We're, we're at that time. That's, yeah. It's brought us to this place. And this mm-hmm. is what Jim is referencing here is First John chapter one, verse five and six. And it says, this is the message we've heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So if we, so we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. Yeah. We are not practicing the truth. And right. I think that's where we'll pick up yep. next week. Yeah. Yeah. And in the meantime, as far as applying to life and just leaving all of you guys, your listeners with some encouragement, um, I just want to say that when the last thing that you're talking about is that if I make any decision not based on something absolute, then I'm not in certainty. The opposite of that is, is if you choose today to be certain about what you know, don't think about what you don't know. Think about what you do know to be true about God, about his word, about his light, about his character, about the kingdom, which is righteousness, peace, and joy. Whatever you know those to be true, think on those things today and just grow your faith by growing your certainty, by turning on the light. Am I okay with saying you guys that? I just want to represent that to you guys, because I just want to give that practicality to you guys, that the more you think on those things and apply yourself to that path of light, it's going to get brighter and brighter and brighter Mm -hmm. to the perfect day. Exactly. And and so I, I just love the light. Let's just love the light today and know that I want to have that clear perception. I want, when you talk about, I want to see clearly, um, that's a great thing to 
be interested in yep. and say, Jesus, I want that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Let's mm-hmm. move towards that. I want to make decisions based on the light, oh. based on the kingdom that are absolute. I know that if I'm, if I'm going to focus on peace today, then I know that's absolutely, you know, righteousness, peace, and joy yep. is the kingdom of God. His character is righteousness, his word. Yeah. Okay, good. Thank you so much, Jim. Mm-hmm. You are the- we are we are we are on quite the trek here, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> we are having quite the trek. I love it because yeah. I mean, sometimes you feel like, oh man, we took a hard, t- you know, right turn here. Yeah. Oh but no, never, it never, all never. Circles it around. always comes around. It really, really does. Yeah. Well, thank you everyone for, you know, joining us for today. Yeah. Please be sure to share the podcast, you know, with others. Yes. And uh, we look forward yep. to continuing the conversation. Yeah. See you next time. Have Bye-bye. a great week. Bye-bye.